happen in five to 10 years when all those batteries that power EVs come to the end of their life cycle. Tom Appel, host at Consumer Guides Car Stuff Podcast and the guru of gears, joins us with the answers and will also present our feature, Green Automotive News. Tom, welcome back to Green Sense. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, so many of our environmental challenges come from poor planning. You know, you see manufacturers, they always rush to get products to market with little thought about the impact of the environment. And they all follow that old school model, take from the earth, make value-added products, create waste all along the process, impacting the environment and depleting natural resources. And here we are again with EVs, which are supposed to have less impact on the environment. How did it happen again, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think what always happens in a case like this is that people don't understand how big the business model is going to be until it's too late. Because I feel this way about EV charging. This probably should have been handled as a utility, but now a bunch of private companies are involved and they're not always operating hand in hand. Tom, that's an excellent a answer. It's unintended consequences. You know, they, they just don't see how big the market will be. So with that in mind, let me ask a couple of questions around our lead-in. What happens to the value of an EV when the battery's at the end of its life cycle and it's very expensive to replace? Yeah, and what we're going to see happen is that the, the battery condition is the new odometer. Uh, when you're talking about an electric vehicle, uh, the odometer is less important, really, because there isn't an engine, there isn't engine parts, and the motors are very, very durable relative to gasoline engines. What's going to matter is the battery. And as you noted, the battery will be very expensive to replace. So very soon, even in, in the secondary uh, used car market, we're going to see battery condition as a percent of the full performance potential of the battery. Uh, really drive the value of those vehicles. So a five-year-old vehicle, it's been tested at a 75% capacity of that battery. That is what's going to drive the value of that vehicle. And at the end of its life, that battery, that vehicle may be ready to be recycled because you will not be replacing that battery on an 18-year-old EV. Too much money. And so what will happen to the value of that EV? Almost nothing. Um, there will be a recycle or core value to that battery, however. Hopefully, hopefully that the infrastructure will have evolved, that we will be recycling batteries and that battery will have some value to somebody. Boy, I'm shocked by that answer. I would think that EVs are running somewhere between 50 to $100,000. The batteries, I don't know, maybe 30% of that value that that car would still have some residual value and you could put a new battery in. So having it uh, depreciate down to zero is uh, uh, that seems a little harsh. <laughs> well, one thing that I'm not considering and, and the market doesn't support yet is the possibility of replacing that battery with a used battery. So if you've got a car with 15% or 20% capacity, kind of useless, but you can pick up a battery of 40% capacity, you could drive that around town and commute locally with it. And that would be one way to extend the vehicle's life. So that'll be an interesting thing to keep our eye on. And so the yeah. next uh, question I had was... Uh, and I'm not sure if this is a straightforward answer, but who owns EV batteries? Is it the vehicle owner or the manufacturer? Right now, the owner does. And it's funny you would ask that because there's a manufacturer of VinFast. It's a Vietnamese uh, battery, uh, I'm sorry, car producer that's coming to the U.S. fairly quickly. They are, are establishing a dealership network. VinFast wants to sell you the vehicle and lease you the battery. 
It's a very strange business proposition. I don't think that Americans will go for something that complicated, but there are probably markets where that'll work. And what this does is relieve the owner from having to deal with a battery at the end of its life cycle or one that has diminished in value because you can just lease another battery. That's the point from the manufacturer. That's actually probably not a bad idea. Uh, do you think others will follow suit? I don't. This has been proposed before and it's been discussed before because one of the early uh, barriers to EV ownership, at least perceived by by the consumer was that the battery was going to go bad. They were going to get stuck with the car. But we're seeing with Tesla that the batteries are getting close to going the life of the vehicle. So the leasing part, I think, isn't being triggered, at least by fear anymore. And I don't know how many Americans, American shoppers like things easy. I don't know how many of them are going to want to make a separate payment and then a lease payment on top of it. Uh, another good point. Well, batteries contain many precious metals, and they also contain toxic materials. So what kind of impact will these batteries have on the environment if they are disposed in landfills and not done properly? Yeah, and, and we need legislation to drive this, but the vehicle, absolutely, the batteries need to be recycled. The stuff in them is bad, but fortunately, the stuff in them is also valuable. So hopefully that the aftermarket's going to find the value there and they will be recycling these batteries. And then one company of interest is uh, Redwood Materials, which had been founded by one of the founders of Tesla. And this is a company that intends to recycle batteries completely and actually sell uh, whole batteries at the end of the recycling process. Interesting. And we're going to come back to Redwood a little later. Um, but you bring a good point. Is there pending legislation or is there any regulation that will force the recycling of these batteries? I'm not aware of anything right now. Huh, maybe a, a new campaign for you in your spare time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the $64,000 question, are there any forward-thinking car companies out there with plans in place to recycle batteries when they come to the end of their life cycle? Yeah, BMW is probably the most progressive in this regard. And people may remember that BMW was one of the companies that started labeling all the plastic parts of its vehicles with a recycling code. Uh, and BMW is working right now to recycle that stuff after the fact. Um, obviously, they don't, BMW hasn't sold them any electric vehicles. So this whole process isn't really in place yet. Um, but they plan to do it. And they have big plans to turn around and recycle batteries and sell uh, completely recycled and refurbished batteries after the fact. Uh, anyone else following suit? Um, I know General Motors has plans in place. I don't think there is uh, as well developed yet. Um, anything else you'd like to add to this uh, end of life cycle in batteries and the recycling of batteries? Yeah, one of the interesting things that seems to be falling away from the conversation was the second life battery use. One of the things that was being discussed earlier was that after a battery leaves a car, it's still pretty useful. It's just too heavy. Uh, to have light capacity, you know, to have the capacity to power a car, but they could be used for stationary charging, like for windmills and things of that nature. That seems to be falling away from the conversation when we start talking about recycling batteries. And I imagine it's hard to think too far out in the future because battery technology is changing so rapidly. Who knows what's going to happen 10 years from now? Well, that's true. And we are waiting too for solid state batteries, which use a similar chemistry. They're still lithium ion. Um, but their capacity and their life is supposed to be greater. So all the stuff that we're talking about right now might become slightly more theoretical if the future of, of used battery supply, of diminished battery supply, is further out. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the circular economy. It's the concept that it keeps uh, resources such as products and materials and energy in the economic system for as long as possible at the highest value possible. And uh, it really takes away that uh, take make waste model that I mentioned earlier. And uh, the reason I mentioned that is that we're talking about EV batteries, but this problem is much wider than just the EV batteries. It also applies to cell phones, laptops, tablets, power tools, and any other battery of lithium ion device uh, that reaches its end life cycle uh, and it get, ends up being turned into waste. You mentioned a company. Are there any uh, other innovative companies out there that have turned this challenge of, of getting rid of these batteries into an opportunity? Not that I'm aware of. There are, there are startups that are talking about it, but Redwood seems to be the one um, that is the best funded and seems to be, uh, seems to have infrastructure in place and they're doing some work right now. There isn't that big a supply of used EV batteries. So everything that we're talking about here right now is really down the road a little bit, but there are lots of cell phones and laptops and tablets and power tools that use batteries. Is that a, a big enough supply in feedstock? They're so much smaller than car batteries. And I, think that, <laughs> I think that extracting and recycling that particular material or the, the valuable materials from those is more difficult. Interesting. Well, let's uh, uh, switch gears a little bit. Uh, on a positive note, uh, uh, on August 8th, the U.S. Senate passed the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. I wonder who names these things. That's a legislative not- package to fight inflation lower prescription costs for seniors, invest in domestic energy production and manufacturing, and reduce carbon emissions by roughly 40% by 2030. Motherhood and April pie, who wouldn't vote for this? Uh, In that legislation, there's EV tax credits, but there's some onerous requirements to be eligible for those tax credits. Please explain some of the detail. Yeah, at first, this is this is all good news, it seems, and that's that the $7,500 tax credit that we're familiar with that was available to EV buyers in the U.S. is returning. However, there are so many, there are so many restrictions on this that it may not actually have any value initially. So it's still $7,500. Uh, Toyota, GM, and Tesla, which had, had uh, uh, capped out of the of the rebate of the tax rebate uh, would be back in it. However, this is where things get sticky. There are caps on the price of the vehicle, caps on the income of the consumer, and caps on where the, not a cap, but a restriction on where the vehicles are built and where the material for the EV battery comes from. And it's looking now that there are no vehicles right now (laughs) for this rebate. Say that again, Tom. <laughs> there may be no, and I think current drivers are reporting this. They're still looking into it. No vehicles qualify for this right now. Well, they're supposed to uh, vet these things when they make legislation to see that they're practical. And there's always unintended consequences with legislation. But I'm not sure they, they unintended not to provide a credit. So uh, any thoughts on this? Yeah, it's interesting because there's a little bit of mission creep on what's happened here. Initially, the $7,500 tax credit was an incentive for people to buy electric vehicles. And now there's so much more to it. Now it's an incentive for people to buy electric vehicles, for manufacturers to source uh, the precious resources involved in electric batteries in the U.S. and to build them here as well. So it's, it's a labor issue. It's an import issue. There's a lot going on. Um, and one but, of the most confusing parts of this is, is how much of the battery is supposed to be sourced from either the U.S. or U.S.-friendly com- countries, 
and it's going to be very difficult to determine this. Well, and again, it's a, it's a good intentions. I'm just not sure how realistic it is. Uh, Tom, another unintended consequences is uh, what kind of impacts will these tax credits have on car prices and car sales? Will the manufacturers raise their prices to reflect the tax credit benefits or uh, keep them suppressed? That's a very good question. But on the day, on the day that this bill passed the Senate, Ford raised the prices 10 to 15 percent on every model of the F-150 Lightning. Make of that what you will. Although a lot of them now are over the limit because there is a price limit of $80,000 for trucks and SUVs. This, this price increase by Ford pushes some of their vehicles over that. Interesting. So it pushes it over a tax credit that you wouldn't be eligible for anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to America, Tom. <laughs> Tom, anything you'd like to add on EV batteries, the, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, anything we haven't have missed? Yeah, just one thing. I wanted to talk a little bit about Toyota and the tax credit. Uh, Toyota builds more vehicles in the U.S. than does Stellantis, for example. And I'm not sure that, though the intention here is to preserve jobs in the U.S., Toyota really, really creates a lot of jobs here in the U.S. They're one of the leading manufacturers in the country. And this feels patently unfair, actually, to a country, to a company that really does, in good faith, do a lot of business here. Uh, so that's another interesting thing. We'll we'll keep an eye on this, and legislation can get amended. So we'll see if uh, 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 cooler heads prevail there. Tom, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thank you for joining us on Green Sense. Oh, the pleasure was mine. Thank you. That's Tom Appel, host of Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, providing our green automotive news and thoughts on how to change the take make waste model when it comes to manufacturing EVs. Green Sense is an independent radio show that relies on the support from sponsors and patrons like you so that we can produce a high-quality audio broadcast that promotes innovators with sustainable solutions. Visit the GreenSenseFarms.com website to learn more. I'm Robert Colangelo. Thank you for listening to Green Sense. And catch the Green Sense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on 105.9 WBBM Chicago.